0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cloud Wars Live. We generally talk about the digital revolution and what the heck is going on in the world today. But I think with some things that are developing around the world with the coronavirus, we're shifting gears here a little bit. We're going to try to bring uh, some thoughts on that more into focus. And our guest today to help us do that is Chris Lockhead, one of our monthly guests. Chris uh, has become one of the world's top podcasters around business and other things. He's got an interesting mix of ideas that he'd like to share, both regarding what's going on in the professional world, but you know, these days, much more importantly, what's going on on the personal side of things. Chris, thanks for being with us here. How are you doing?
1: Dr. Evans, it's good to be with you.
0: Yeah, Chris, uh, crazy times here, crazy times. Uh, you, you've clearly put a lot of thinking into this. I know you've done some episodes on your... Uh, your very special podcast about this. What, what's, what's top of mind for you today?
1: Well, it's uh shit's getting very weird and it, it's getting weirder by the second. It feels like, um, I, I, You know, I, th- I think if you turn on your television or if you fire up your browser, you, you know, you hit refresh on your browser. And it's like, well, uh, don't go. Don't go to anything with 250 people at it. And then you hit refresh. It's like, don't go to anything with more than 100 people. And, you know, now we're down to 10. Um, and so, look, shit's getting weirder. And I think the only thing we can really know is um, it's going to get weirder. I mean, um, the Bay Area is, is on, San Francisco Bay Area is on lockdown. Uh, we just locked down Santa Cruz County, where I live. And so um, okay. I, think, I think that's the reality that we're in. Um, yes, I think,
0: so I, tell, what, what does that mean in Santa Cruz County lockdown? What are you allowed and not allowed to do?
1: So, you know, like a lot of these communications, uh, they could be crisper and clearer. Um, so I don't believe we're being forced not to do anything. Uh, but we are being asked to uh, hunker down in place and sort of, you know, don't be, don't, don't be out in the world unless you have to be, stay home. Uh, now, look, you know, we live near the ocean. We went for a walk yesterday. There's people out there's people surfing. Um, and so there's, there's um, s- more than some semblance of m- regular life. Um, and um you know, at the same time, um, you know, there's not a lot of people in the grocery store and there's not a lot of people, uh, the mall's finished, I think, and, you know, that sort of stuff. And so I think we're, we're getting to a place where restaurants and bars are pretty much done. Um, and then other areas where lots of people congregate are sparse. Um, but people are still walking around and surfing and, you know, doing things that they do. I, I don't think people are going to the gym anymore. So that I think yoga's out, uh, at least at least in a place with lots of people. So those sorts of things are all are all winding down.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, yeah. I I interrupted you there as you were you were rolling, but I because I, I see those terms like quarantine. You know, don't leave your room, don't leave your house. But so thanks. You gave us, you know, a perspective of what's going on in uh you know, at least in Santa Cruz County, probably very similar to what's going on in San Francisco and, you know, more and more across the country. My yeah. younger daughter said she's going to stay with her older sister and uh, said, you know, we're going to do quarantine together, is how she put it.
1: Yeah. So that that's where we're at now. Uh, we I don't know how many cases we have in the Santa Cruz area. It's a fairly small number, but, um, but of course we don't really know how many cases anybody has because... Uh, there are many people who feel like they 're symptomatic of something and they maybe want to get tested and you know testing 's still problematic, although hopefully that will uh, that will get remedied pretty soon. I saw Jack ma um, uh, his his first tweet on Twitter was about uh, donating um masks and tests to the united states so i thought that was cool there's you know i think there's been some very cool things that tech entrepreneurs are doing you know that's a that's an example of a chinese tech entrepreneur trying to do something for america which is sort of uh, you know cool Uh, um and then you know my buddy eric Yuan, you you and i are on zoom right now and as as you probably saw uh, Zoom has stepped up and given their technology, at least for some period of time here, to uh, all the schools in the United States of America, K through 12. You know, so that's really cool. And Google stepped up to build a website and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? So I think there's a lot of cool things happening at that level. Uh, the other one I wanted to tell you about that's cool, and, and well, maybe let me take a step back. I'm hoping what we're beginning to see is sort of, if you remember what life was like for the first few weeks, or maybe even maybe even a couple months after uh, 9-11, there was a deep connection between people, um, whatever sort of normal things that might be, whether it was political or racial or whatever, whatever differences that were negative that people felt towards each other seemed to melt away, um, and, and we stood as one. And so, um, my hope is that that's what's beginning to happen here it feels that way um around here anyway and it feels that way reading reading much of the media but i'm i'm curious what you're seeing
0: yeah a couple things chris i think uh you know on the one hand and i i don't want to jump right into the economy about this because i know it's a very personal thing uh but you, know, you had uh, the united states economy roaring along here doing very well, different parts of the world doing really well like this. And we forget sometimes that, you know, for the technology we have, for the advanced lifestyles, for the remarkable things that are going on, these really primitive, almost prehistoric types things, these viruses, you know, they can come out of nowhere. And uh, we realize, so I think it's going to ultimately be a good thing for people to understand, you know, we, we are not at the top of the food chain in some way. So let's just be Smarter about how we go forward and do things, and as those, you know, sort of mega scale ideas crystallize down to everybody, I see things like, uh, um, you know, the 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 hoarding in grocery stores. It's on the one hand understandable, on the other hand, it's it's pretty dumb. I think that in some ways, you know, there's been good advice coming out from people about what to do for health, and this uh, sort of unprecedented is is. I perceive it uh, these this cooperation among big retailers and people you know in the food chain working together on some stuff the uh, healthcare supply chain trying to work together on this i I, I want to be optimistic about it maybe because it's early in this whole cycle it's easy to be optimistic, but I think there are going to be some things that come out of this that tie in to everyday people's lives that transcend the troubles were in. You mentioned Jack Ma, a Chinese entrepreneur donating some much needed stuff to the US. So I I'm an optimist and not trying to be shut my eyes to the realities of this, but I think we're gonna encounter and uh come up with some approaches to things, some ideas that are gonna surprise us, I I hope, in good ways. And there'll always be some of the sort of revolting things that we've all seen and will continue to see for a while. But uh I think when pushed pretty hard, people show, uh, most people tend to show their better side. And uh, whether that's true or not, I really want to believe that at a time like this.
1: I'm an optimist too, so uh, I agree with you. And I think there's been a lot of negative said about digital and and, mobile and uh, social technology, social media, making people feel bad and this and that and the other. And, and I think there's valid conversation to be had there. Um. And right now what we're seeing is the power of technology to make a difference uh we can all feel connected we can all use technologies where we can see each other and communicate like you and i are now on zoom um uh, we we can um right now social media is a godsend because we can communicate with our families and uh you know i can see how my um my family's doing and they live in you know they live in canada and so they're not i can't see them next door and so those sorts of things are i think um very very powerful and important and i think we're also using technology to get on this virus uh, um, you know uh, a a mantra that i subscribe to is every problem's a data problem right and and so um, whether it's researchers and scientists and of course doctors um, trying to work on the test itself or, or a vaccine, those things, technology we know is playing an incredibly important part. And we know that technology is playing an incredibly important part in companies being able to manage their supply chains, which is very difficult right now because, th- you know, you think about any massive company, um, you know, a, ta- a Target, a Walmart, a CVS, uh, and of course, an Amazon, these kinds of uh, mega companies that we are now discovering Are essential services, you know, if you think about the major, uh, food retailers right now, if one of them were unable to execute right now, um, America would be in a very difficult place. And, and I think one of the things that we're seeing is somebody who believes in entrepreneurship and believes in, um, in, in, in the power of companies to do good things. Uh, we're seeing, we're deeply reliant on these companies.
0: Chris, I where I live in Pittsburgh, the neighborhood here, there's a a fair number of uh, people emigrating to the U.S. from Russia, uh, mostly for religious reasons. And it is uh, it's so interesting sometimes in the grocery stores around here, especially a place like Costco or Sam's Club, and you'll see some of these people who. You know, they just stand. Well, you know, up until a couple of weeks ago, but they would just stand in the aisles and look around, just dumbfounded, like, "How is this possible?" So, uh, even I, you know, coming from this country, I still marvel sometimes, as you mentioned, these essential services provided by, you know, these giant supply chain or fulfillment or retail, whatever you want to call them, these these extraordinary companies, even to the point where I saw a couple of days ago and you know a press conference with some government leaders and uh private sector leaders but the you know the the uh, CEO of Walmart and some of the other big retailers Target Walgreens uh I think CVS was there they were talking about they're going to uh cordon off parts of their parking lots to set up these drive-through test centers so um you know, it's it's uh, it's remarkable. I think these things will pu- bubble up. And and Chris, outside of that too, I thought you know some of the notes that you had passed over is very interesting. Sort of if you were going to offer some guidance to companies now, you know, you, you had some pretty good thoughts on that. I think that apply across the board.
1: Yeah, I th- so I think if you t- if we move out of the human realm for a second to the business realm, I think there's some realities that we have to uh, uh, sort of come to grips with. You know, the, the first one is. Um, pipelines and revenues are likely coming down in a meaningful way here, right? And so if you're a public company, the likelihood you're going to miss your next quarter numbers um, is probably almost 100%, if not 100%, right? So um, pipelines and revenues and therefore guidance on earnings, all that shit's coming down. Uh, Budgets and spending are coming down. Of course, uh, consumer spending is going to come down massively, right? Because he, giant giant pieces of the po- of the population uh, are just not, you know, uh, are in jobs where if they don't work, they don't get paid. And even if you're in a job that uh, is not necessarily hourly, you know, who knows how long this thing's going to go on and will, comp- will major companies be able to continue to pay employees at full rate for three months or four months or... I don't know. Right. So, so the reality is the consumer is going to have a lot less money and so are companies. And so look, all our numbers are coming down. We're going to miss, we're going to miss our guidance. And that's just the reality. Um, and so as, as we begin to all get our arms around that, the sort of the question, um, that I've been asking myself, Bob is if I was a legendary leader, what would I do today? And there's things on the personal side uh, we can talk about and of course there's things on the business and professional side Um, but that has been the question that i've been sort of responding to in my own head for the last i don't know week and a half for sure if i was a legendary leader what would i do today and you know so in my personal life you know, we uh, have parents that are in the high-risk groups, and so um, we, locked, we locked them down. <laughs> mm-hmm. And some of them wanted to argue with us a lot about it, Bob, <laughs> particularly in the beginning, right? Yes. I, I won't say with uh, whose parent, um, <laughs> but we had a stern conversation with somebody about a um, um, uh, St. Patrick's Day party. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we've got to take care of those people. And then in, in our community, we live, Santa Cruz is, one of the things I love about living here is it's a real community. And in our neighborhood, you know, three or four blocks, plus or minus, there's a, a community email address. And of course there's next door and stuff, but there's been an email list for, I don't know, quite some time, um, since before we moved here and you know mostly it's stuff like hey let's organize what are we doing on july 4th and then something will be going on or you know somebody will have a bake sale or i don't know shit like that normal community stuff it's very and it's all very nice and everybody's very pleasant and so forth and it 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 gives you a great sense of connection well you know since this thing started to really escalate our little community newsletter uh, i mean i'm almost feeling spammed by it because the number of people stepping up and saying, Hey, do you need us to go get groceries? Um, do you need us to help clean your house? Uh, are you feeling lonely? Uh, you know, whatever it is, people just reaching out over email on our little neighborhood list here, um, making sure that everybody knows, uh, we're in this thing together and we're going to get through this thing together. And, um, you know, so I think those sorts of things with our own family and our own neighborhood, um, provide a real sense of, uh, you talked about it earlier, connection. And I think we need that uh, at this time.
0: Chris, you know, I think it was interesting what you said that if I was a legendary leader, what would I do? Not executive or CEO. And uh, so there's this point about what can happen in the neighborhood. You know, the first thing you said there, you know, look after and lock down the old folks. One of the ways of Looking after them is locking them down, but I could imagine there are some people that I didn't get to be 86 by having any young whippersnapper tell me what to do. But this uh, tough love here has to uh, go to their generation too, and the, you know we see that in the numbers. It's pretty clear, but that 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 focus, I I've seen some pretty interesting things too. Those um, I think Workday gave two weeks, something like a, the equivalent of a cash bonus to all employees. And especially their contractors and other folks like that. Uh, ServiceNow is giving away some of its software, like you know uh, Eric's doing it with Zoom, you know, for a while to government agencies to help them yeah try to get through as quickly as they can. So I think this is a, a you know it's it's going to help the larger cause, and it's the right thing for these companies to do. So I, I think we're going to see a lot of that, Chris. I. Uh, but good leaders—this is where you can distinguish yourself, right? It's, you know, when the economy's booming and unemployment is uh, under three and a half percent, it's not easy to be a, a leader. But you know, lots of companies are doing well. When things get tough, how do you, how do you become one of those few that step out and distinguish itself?
1: Yeah, look, it's easy to be great when it's great, right? The question yeah, I mean, is, who, who are you when the shit hits the fan? And the shit's hitting the fan. There's no question about that, both uh, from a human health perspective. You know, listen, when, when, when a panel of experts at UCSF comes out and says, uh, 40 to 70% of us in the United States are going to get this thing. And if they peg the, the, um, uh, the death rate at 1%, and you say, you just call that call that, uh, f- call it 50% of Americans to make the math super simple, which is exactly what they did in this discussion, by the way. So you got 150 million Americans. If 1% of us die, that's 1.5 million people. Now, does anybody really know what the death rate's going to be? No, because we don't really know how... You know, I, I understand all those things. I think we all do, right? But what the experts are telling us is that this thing... Um, uh, spreads faster and and ha- has a uh, scary survival rate when compared to a normal flu that we're used to. That's what they're telling us. You know, I love these people who are downplaying this thing. It's like, okay, well, look, I don't know. I didn't go to school for this, okay? Stanford's not calling me, and UCSF is not calling me for my opinion. Here's what I know. The head of the World Health Organization said it was a global pandemic, and Italy shut down, and Spain shut down, and, of course, the Chinese shut down and went hard to the hoop on this thing. And so, I don't know. Are we overreacting? I have no fucking idea, but, like, just look around, people. And so, I think we have to... um, we we have to stand up like real leaders do uh and on the personal side i think we have to ask ourselves what can we do for our communities and for our families um uh, we're starting to cut checks to uh some some nonprofits around here there's hospitals and and churches and other uh ngos and nonprofits that are on the front lines of this um We're, we're uh, making a list of our favorite restaurants because we, you know, we live in a food town, man. And the food in this, in this town is incredible and we deeply appreciate them as a huge part of our culture and life and and enjoyment of life. And uh, we're going to find out who's, who's doing takeout. We're going to try and do business with them through these times. And we're going to buy some gift certificates. You know, so we're, we've put together a list of things to do in the community. And then to your point on the business side, um, I think we have to. Um, I think we have to think about radically new uh, leadership ideas, Bob.
0: Mm-hmm. Chris, what about? Tell us about a couple of those.
1: Well, the first one is I think if you're a great organization, probably you're going to lead this through marketing. And now I know I'm biased as a mar- marketing guy and all that, but um, a big part of marketing's job is communication. And right now, we need clear, thoughtful, radically transparent, non bizno babble bullshit communication. And so I think CEOs, CIOs, CFOs, et cetera, um, the C-suite uh, right now is coming together on with, with marketing to figure out how to communicate and how to lead through this and how to, how to, how to be in the world with, with employees, with customers, with shareholders, with partners in a way that is authentic and real and transparent. Um, And uh, that's sort of on the, what you might call the defensive side. Um, The second thing is, um, and we'll get to the offensive side in a sec. The second thing is, as we've been talking about on more of the personal level, now's a good time to do some good. And I realize it's going to be tough and many companies aren't going to be in a position to do this. But the degree to which companies are, you know, trying to put employees first, trying to put the community first. Um, we're seeing a lot of incredible companies. um do that you know another one i'll mention in the tech industry mark benioff came out on march 15th and and tweeted salesforce and time because of course he owns time magazine now we'll continue to pay our hourly workers even as many of our employees are now working from home and then he he asks people to do that too he says please pay an hourly worker you, you have a relationship with perhaps a housekeeper or a dog walker etc and so you see companies like that stepping up and and I think if those of us in a position to do that or to do things along those lines, now's a a good time to do some good. Uh, Number three, I think the reality is, of course, we are making budget cuts and reallocations. And so whatever our uh, spending plan is, our investment plan for the quarter and for the year is, of course, those things have to come down. And so we have to think about what are smart. Uh, cuts, and this is the one that a lot of people don't do. And look, as a as a CMO who's been through multiple, uh, cr- what's the plural of crisis, Bob? Is it crisis?
0: Crisis. <laughs> crisis. Yeah.
1: Crisis. Yeah. Yeah. We'll go. Let's go with not, not
0: many people know that, Chris. So if you get some blank looks, it's okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. So having been through multiple crisis-eye, um, one of the things that people forget to do is, is budget reallocation. So instead of saying, and I'll just make up a number, I don't know what the right number is, but you know, we're gonna cut 20% of our IT budget or our marketing budget or our whatever budget. Um, that might be a thing to do, but instead of making them across the board, um, can we get super thoughtful about what we can stop doing? And you know, one of those great quotes out there is never let a good crisis go to waste and so in the marketing world by way of example i know for a fact that there's at least 20 percent of stupid in almost every marketing budget including ones in you know when i was the cmo so i'm uh, there's just you know the marketing budgets can get a little bit like government spending right where there's some entitlements and it's like well why do we do that i don't know we just started doing that during you know, the the, uh, Nixon administration, and we just kept doing it. I don't know. So um, this is a really good way, if you're a CMO or a CEO or CFO, for that matter, to get in there and whack some of those stupid things that tend to just pop up and um, maybe enable you to make smaller cuts because you're doing smart reallocations.
0: I think, Chris, that, uh, you know, what you were getting at there too, not just Twenty percent across the board, but identify the years where good things can happen. It's going to be something that carries on. Then, companies look at that and say, "Hey, why, why were we doing those things from fifty years ago?" It's like and because seven years ago somebody said, "Well, the CEO plays golf, uh, you know, twice a summer with so and so." So that yeah, I think there's going to. Be I, I heard pandemic. one of these a while ago. <laughs> so yeah. you want to
1: get a quick diversion on that? So, I, I have allergies and my wife loves cats. So, guess what? I go and get allergy shots and we have cats. And so, and actually, the allergy shot therapy is pretty cool because they test you for your allergies and they don't give you a drug. They give you a cocktail of what you're allergic to in small doses and it rebuilds your immune system. It's actually quite fascinating and it's worked incredibly well. But that's a digression on this digression um, and so the allergy clinic that I go to is open every day from, you know, whatever, 9.30 to 4.30 or whatever, sort of old school banker type hours. But they're not open on Tuesdays, Bob. Uh. And so I said, why aren't you open on Tuesdays? They said, well, the doctor who started this clinic, who, the, who uh, was bought out by the doctors who own it and run it now, um, his son had volleyball on Tuesdays. And so he decided that that was his family was his priority and he wanted to go to his son's volleyball, whatever's. And so, um, and so he didn't open on Tuesdays. So we don't open on Tuesdays. (laughs) No, they they told me that with a straight face, Bob.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that was, that was 30 years ago, but,
1: or or whatever but it was a long the guy's not even around anymore so i don't know when it was (laughs) he's retired
0: well now this the the plural of digression is digressi so i'm gonna digressi off your double digressi and that is this uh little town uh on lake erie where my parents took us as we were growing up as kids uh just this classic like little, small American town, and uh, there was one radio station there, and this uh, DJ, Ken Vaughn, he would read the news every morning, and, uh, you know, one, one day's a week, my mom just loved listening to this guy, said, this is, you won't hear any stuff like this anywhere else, and one morning, guy called in, and he said, hey, Ken, can I ask, he said, "Uh, I love, you know, your show, I love hearing the news, he said, but you don't have any news on Monday, (laughs) why is that? And Ken said, oh, he said, well, he said, uh, every morning, he said, I go by the the local town newspaper, and I go to the diner. And while I'm having my breakfast, I take stories out of the newspaper, and I write the news down that I read on the radio. And he said, but the diner is not open on Monday. <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love it.
0: <laughs> so, but that's probably in the uh marketing stupid or stupid marketing. So there's probably right. we've all do those things. So let's root them out. Why do we do stuff this way? We'll come to it better. I'd like and, your idea, Chris, about you know, get some of your smartest folks in the room there. What where, where does that take you?
1: Yeah, so th- this is just a simple idea that has been effective uh, for me in the past. Um, you know, so take a topic like we all know our our um, pipelines and revenue are coming down. So if you took five of your smartest marketers and five of your s- smartest salespeople and um, you said, okay, let's, we're going to lock you in a Zoom room <laughs> uh, for a day, um, you know, with a bottle of Jack Daniels and, um, and, and your job is to come up with a thoughtful ideas on how to make smart budget cuts and reallocations in sales and marketing by way of example, or on the, so that's on the defense side, on the offense side, um, right now, we all need to think of um, short-term things that we can do to drive revenue for our businesses if our business is still functioning, right? And so um, there may be be things you can do with your pipeline. There may be special offers that you can make. Uh, One of the simple ones that I like that we use incredibly effectively uh, in the tech industry is something called white space analysis where, and this is where if you have good data, um, it really matters uh, because you can say, okay, we, we have a thousand customers. And um, how many products, let's say you sell um, 50 products. Well, of 1,000 customers, who has all 50? That's probably a fairly small number. Everything else is white space. And so if you you believe that uh, selling to an existing customer is much easier and cost-effective, more cost-effective than selling to a brand-new customer, which all the research says that's the case, and it just seems pretty intuitively obvious, then – If you know what your white space is, that is to say who your existing customers are, what products or services they bought in the past, and what products and services they have not bought in the past, you have your probably lowest hanging fruit. So there are things like that, that if you get smart people in a room together, you get them fired up, they're probably going to come up with a few ideas for how to drive revenue in the near term. And uh, I would suggest picking the simplest of those ideas, that is to say the the, the simplest to execute, the simplest to communicate, uh, the most likely to resonate with existing customers um, and get out there and see if you can, um, you know, tilt customers who are at the tail end of the pipeline to, to the cash register and take uh, take existing customers and uh, see if you can do some white space uh, sales and marketing. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> yeah, Kristen, that simplicity that you talked about there, again, I think that's gonna help some folks come up with some and do it. Why don't we do this all the time? Why don't we make this an adjunct of something that you know goes along with our traditional services when when things come back around? Hey, can I ask? Would you go back to uh, something you mentioned earlier? Um, your uh, buddy or a, a CEO, you know, talked about the is like this is the next, the return of the yeah, golden the golden age.
1: new golden age. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we just had Tucker Max on yeah. uh, America's favorite bad boy, and um, I, I found out. Let me get this stat for you. You know, he sold a bazillion, a bazillion books, of course. He, uh, His his book may be one of the most legendary book titles ever, I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell. (laughs) That's a title for a book right there. And um, I just wanted to get this stat for you. Okay, so he's written uh, four New York Times bestsellers, um, three of which hit number one. And he is the fourth writer along with Malcolm Gladwell, Benet Brown, and Michael Lewis, to have three books on the New York Times nonfiction bestseller list at the same time. Whew. Yeah. Anyway, that's Tucker, and he's quite the character, and he's, he's also a bit of a philosopher king. So he has this interesting point of view where he says um, that we are at the dawn of a new golden age. and And my synthesis of his thoughts are essentially that um, uh, this thing is bringing us together, so creating a sense of community and connection that was uh, absent Uh, and using technology to do that. Um, And so uh, he just sees this as a big stepping stone to a big set of changes. And it leads me to uh, a a set of questions I have for you. And, you know, Tucker and I talked about this a little bit. So I'm curious what your thoughts are. So, for example, are we witnessing the beginning of the end of offices as we know them? Mm -hmm. Like, if you think about this, let's say this thing's over in three months to the point where people can start going back to offices. After three months of not going to the office, is the world going to wake up and go, Why do we have
0: all these offices? Yeah, yeah, Chris, uh, a a quick diversion. When I first started doing the, not being in the main office, sort of a telecommuting, was uh, 1990, so 30 years ago. And uh, when I proposed this to the CEO at the company where I was working at the time, he said, he was shocked, and he said, how am I gonna know what you're doing if i can't see you and i said well here in the, this headquarters obviously you never see me anyway and if the value of an of what uh you know an employee does for a company is gauged <laughs> by their ability to be seen i said that's a that's a weird bar it might be low it might be high but that's a weird bar so i you know people's uh you know the 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 doctor's office the allergist office it's closed on tuesday because of the volleyball thing 20 years ago people will have irrational and irrational but there's going to be so many folks pushing from the outside in this age of people trying to understand we got to take better care of our employees we have to offer better employee experiences and somebody's going to say oh wow i got to work from home that's pretty cool i didn't have to drive to the train station get on the train go to the into the city get on the subway fight people there for half an hour get out I think um I think there's gonna be a lot of people that say this is a better way to work. This is a better well, way to I'm, live.
1: It's a, exactly and I like you have uh worked from home for many, many years. And um you know, I've I I started to think about the sort of meaningful kinds of work that I've done with people uh digitally or remotely, and in some cases you know, I'll give you a simple example. I'm um, currently working on my third book with the legendary Eddie Yoon, and Eddie has written more for um, Harvard Business Review on category and growth strategy than any person li- living or dead. And um, Eddie and I had met, had uh, done more podcasts than I can remember, had collaborated on my first book because he let us use a bunch of his research, and then I did a little bit of help on his first book. Uh, We wrote two HBR articles, and we began work on our new book together, all before we met in person. (laughs) He's one of the most important guys in my, uh, certainly professional life, and of course, i'm i'm, I'm someone somebody that your life is your life and so we've become friends and he shared about his family and uh, you know and, and so forth and so on we've become real buddies right and all that happened before we met and the, the only thing that i didn't really know about him um when we met is you know how tall he is
0: that's really so what was it like you knew this guy you knew eddie really really well what was it like when you met face to face
1: there's uh and i've had this experience before, a couple times before there's a second uh where and it really is just a couple seconds where it's a bit stunning to finally see them and then it's instantly over this is you know pre-covid 19 by the way i'm really looking forward to covid 20 because covid 19 has got some serious issues um but i digress um we have to be silly where we can right um Uh, so there's a few moments where you're slightly uncomfortable where there's that, Oh my God, there he is. But then you hug each other and you sit down and you start chatting or you do whatever it is you're doing and all that goes away. And it's the exact relationship that in this case had been built over multiple years uh, and doing some, you know, important work to both of us and having some fun and having a real robust relationship over email and Zoom and, uh, you know, <laughs> Dropbox and, and so forth.
0: Yeah. Chris, you know, there's a, a related thing, maybe one of our multiple digressi uh, in this conversation that the whole WeWork thing, and WeWork wanted to desperately be considered a, a technology company when, you know, in fact, the, the revolutionary they causing was in a related space to what we're talking about here which is commercial real estate is ripe for some upheaval. And along came we work. And, and when they, I think, as they're beginning to understand their commercial real estate company with a different twist, not necessarily, you know, uh, the world's, you know, coolest technology company, they, they can get some stuff straightened out. But companies are going to have to understand this more and more. I don't know if this is one of those genies that once it's out of the bottle, how are you going to get those people to all come back unless, you know, you you threaten them and they're going to say, hey, you know, great. The economy's picking back up again. I got a lot of other choices out there. I'm going to go work at a place that values what I can do, not where I sit every day.
1: Well, and to your point, particularly for, for lack of a better description, with white-collar knowledge work, right? Um, nobody knows what, the, what you're fucking doing, right? Just because you're in a cube over there. I don't know what you're doing. Uh, so, and, and I don't even care. Right. I don't care. And then in addition to that, um, if you if uh, my my understanding is the average commute in America is roughly 45 minutes. At least that's what they tell us podcasters, you know, to make sure your podcast is not more than 43 minutes because you want to be, you know, that those people, nobody will listen to a long form dialogue show, Bob. Um, exactly.
0: Remember that, Chris. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Go F yourself. <laughs> but, um, uh, another digression, but you say, okay, let's say 45 minutes is, is the accurate number. So that's an hour and a half a day. Well, when you say to somebody, Hey, um, Janine, here's an hour and a half a day back. Hey, Fred, here, and then times a week, times a month, and you say, well, if the average, you know, a lot of Americans don't even take holiday, but say, say the average American works roughly between 48 and 50, uh, weeks a year. Right. So I don't know, you can do the math better than I can because some of us didn't go to school, Bob, but, uh, what I'm saying is you, you give somebody an hour and a half a day back, you transform their life because in that hour and a half, they can, um, uh, be physical. You know they can work out they can be physically active and, and, and keep healthy that way they can invest time with their family um, they can decide they have more flexibility around when they work I'm I'm much better in the morning so I get up in the morning I genuinely try to do something physical and then I get right to work and if I'm working on a book or something like that often I'll move the physical thing to later because the first four hours of the day are like really powerful hours for me right so I'll Lock myself down, put on a set of headphones and dig into something I'm working on, right? And use that time where I feel most sort of alert and creative and so forth. But whatever it is, my point is an hour and a half a day transforms somebody's life to do what they want, to spend time with their family, to take care of themselves, to get the aggravation of of the commute. To to go away, you know, it, people have that Monday morning feeling, right? You take the commute out, and that Monday morning feeling is a lot different.
0: Wildly, it's a, almost exciting, right? You know, hey, it's Monday, all right, I can get going. But Chris, we've laughed about this uh, line before, where people say, "Hey, look, it, it's not personal; it's business." It's like, uh, I've never believed that. I, I think the two are fused in a lot of people. Well, that that seems like the pendulum for that tilted way over toward the. The company side, right? Oh, good. Now yeah. we've got these people for, you know, another three, four, five hours a day. Well, it's time for that to snap back a little bit, maybe in exactly uh, you know, the sort of outcomes that you've just described. I think that Yet. makes perfect sense. And in this time and age where it is, you know, good, capable, talented, or even exceptional employees, they have the pick of any place that they want to go work and companies, right, are gonna right. realize this new advantage. So Coming back to so many things about the transparency, uh, you know, this openness, really setting a different tone here and recognizing there's going to be a lot of things quite different than they were before. And yes. I think you've pointed to a powerful one, an hour and a half a day. But if people sleep, you know, six hours a day is so 17, 18, you are know, given almost 10% of your waking hours back.
1: Well, and you talk about sleep, all the experts on sleep tell us that the average American does not get enough sleep that you can't bank sleep and get it back. So you can't sleep, you know, 10 hours uh, for two, you know, 20 hours on the weekend uh, and then and then six hours or five hours and, and during the week and make that all work. It's not the way the human body works. Right. And and s- lack of sleep is causing everything from car accidents to severe medical uh, uh, problems to it's linked to obesity and you name it, right? There's a sleep. If you start, that's a rabbit hole. You Google, Hey, sleep shit and you're going to find You discover a lot, but the reality is uh, the the experts tell us the average American doesn't get enough sleep. So yeah, just that, just that piece, right. Is incredible. I mean, um, we don't wake up to an alarm clock in my house. We just wake up.
0: I thought it would be to the cats.
1: Well, you know, it often is the cats. Um, um, Thelma, if you roll around in bed, uh, particularly in the morning, you know, as she's waking up, she likes to bite your feet as you as your feet flip flip around in the bed you know and so when you got Thelma and Louise in bed with you and one of them's biting your, <laughs> your feet and the other one's licking your face um, it probably means they want breakfast
0: <laughs> no wonder you're a get up and get out in the morning sort of guy I, you've got some incentives there Chris we have uh we have had a, a chance to range across a lot of things today is there do you have a you know, closing thought or two you want to share? Well, yeah, there's
1: there's a couple. Um So, uh, in all serious, well, one, one ser- more serious and one yeah. completely ridiculous. Um So, over the last two weeks or so, I've been digging into a lot of the research um, on uh, downturns. Um, and if you look at that research, you know, from folks like McKinsey and Bain and BCG and m- m- a bunch of incredibly uh, well-researched HBR articles and so forth. And if you like, I can give you the links of some of the things I've been reading to put in the sh- show notes for folks. But what the studies say is pretty interesting. And it's around it's, it's a round of thought I uh, you might think of as getting thoughtfully aggressive. What the research tends to say is the companies that perform best in downturns um, react very quickly in the beginning. So they break very b- big in the beginning. Um, and then they're super thoughtful throughout the, the downturn. And, and what I mean by that is they make the right cuts and reallocations if that's appropriate. They try to take care of their people best they can. And then um, people forget that um, in an economic downturn is, is the time when most people, um, when shit's on sale and most people don't buy. And so some companies will do acquisitions. Some companies will do some aggressive category and brand marketing because that's one of the key things that people cut. So being thoughtfully aggressive coming into the downturn. And then as we're in it you know if this thing's going to be multiple months the way it looks like it could be uh, what are things that we could do to shore up our position to begin to um, uh, increase the likelihood of building long-term value and success and becoming you uh, dominant in the category so being thoughtful during the the the, the downturn itself and then being thoughtfully aggressive ahead of the recovery now these things are very hard to get right of course it requires a lot of thinking and discussion and of course a lot of data about our business our market our customers our category but in general that's my synthesis of what the best articles say and The research data says that, and again, it depends on whose study you want to look at, but somewhere between 9 and 14% of companies are able to outperform competitors by at least 10% on both top and bottom lines during downturns. And so the aha for me is, um, you know, how do we, for the companies I'm involved with, the conversations that we're having is are all around how do we be in that let's you know let's call nine to fourteen percent let's call it twelve percent how do we be in the twelve percent of companies that actually use the downturn to our business advantage and drive revenue and profits way ahead of everybody else because the data says that 's possible, and so if it 's possible um, let's get after it. So that's the first one. Actually, I lied to you, Bob. I have three things. That's the first one. The second one is um, one of the things Eddie and I have been writing about is this idea um, called radical generosity. And I think now is a time for radical generosity. And I think there's radical generosity on multiple dimensions, but just by way of example. The first one, of course, is what, what can we as individuals and we as companies do that's radically generous? You know, So you talked about the Walmarts and the Targets and these major corporations who are donating um, part of their, their parking lots for drive-through testing. That's fantastic. And and tech companies giving away technology and whatever it is. So as a company, what can we do um, that's radically, as a, as a person, what can we do that's radically generous? But as a company, what can we do that's radically generous? And I mentioned Tucker. So Tucker's got a business today called Scribe and Scribe is essentially a author um, uh, book creation and publishing service. So, you know, somebody like you, by way of example, if you said, Hey, I want to write a book, but I I want help doing it. They help turnkey the whole thing at whatever level of help you need from creation of the book to the marketing of the book and da, 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 da that's, you know, top selling author. So, he turned what he learned into a service essentially. So what he's decided to do in this domain of radically, um, generous is they're taking the course service that they charge a shit ton of money for and turning it into a course for free and they're giving it away and they're going to do some webinars and, and so forth. So as an IP consulting service business, they're trying to package as much of their IP up and give it away for free. Um, and so I think, I think asking yourself, what could we do as, as people and what could we do as a company that would be radically, uh, generous is a very powerful thing. I am trying to be, you know, I had this simple aha, which is, Hey, wait a minute, dummy. You're a supposed marketing expert. Right. And you've been through some crisis, eye. Right. Uh, maybe you should get radically generous around sharing that. And so that's what I'm starting to do on my marketing podcast. We're going to start to talk about this stuff. Um, Eddie and I are going to do a series of things. I'm going to bring in a bunch of marketing experts and, you know, we're going to get after this thing. I've already been contacted by some venture capitalists and some, some other entrepreneur groups. And so I'm going to just, anything that I know or about any of this, or can bring together other experts in the domain of how marketing can lead through a crisis, I'm going to do everything possible and I don't want any fucking money for it, of course. Right. So what are the things that we can do individually and as a company to be, Um, to be radically generous. So I think that's a a powerful theme. And look, in the case of Tucker's company or in the case of some of these other companies doing some of the things we've talked about, is there a business advantage to them over time for building this goodwill? Of course there is. That's okay. I don't (laughs) want to hear criticism of that. It's like companies and people it's, we should be proud of them when they do good things. And if you give away the parking lot at target and you say, Oh, wow, well, that, that attracts more people to come and buy at to target. And so, well, fuck off. Come on. Right. You can, you can do good things that happen to be good for your company that are good things for the world. And if all that lines up, well, why is that all not a good thing? Come on. Um, so anyway, and then, and then we do have um, going the Paltrow we could talk about, but I'll take a pause here.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, they say don't go over 45 minutes, uh, you know, podcasts. So <laughs> well,
1: hey, nobody's commuting. So what else are they going to do but sit home and listen to Cloud Wars Live? Come on. Yeah,
0: absolutely. You know it and I know it, brother. But I like right. to say, hey,
1: spread podcasts, not viruses. <laughs> right.
0: um, Chris, you know, I think you have uh, – in your classic form, you have overloaded my brain as much as I'd love to get into the Gwyneth Paltrow uh, whole thing. I, we just gotta hold it for next time. <laughs> okay. Well. Not everybody can operate at the the scale of your brain and throughput. And you know, um, your appreciation for some uh, businesses—the one that we're not going to talk about today—that are uh, well different. That's
1: <laughs> fair enough.
0: <laughs> but, and for the guy who you know. Uh, Follow your different, you know. I see why you get it. It's uh, some of the rest of us just need a little more time. <laughs> yes, Chris, uh, great stuff. Thank you. Good, good perspectives. Good, good counsel. Good. Uh, I think just uh, you know, probing at people now are the tendency. We we have a choice to make, right? We all choose how we're going to respond. What's going on today? And I think you have given people lots of not just some ideas, but a sense of um, capability, potential, and optimism about you know this the world is as it is right now. What are we going to do about it? What do we? How do we choose to go into this? And the generosity, the focus, the selflessness, uh, radical generosity sounds like a, a good thing to do. And then a lot of the very pointed business counsel you offered up, I think, great stuff.
1: Well, thank you, Bob. And I, I appreciate that you continue to podcast. You know, there's this, there's this expression we're all hearing. Out of an abundance of caution, you know, blah, 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 blah. And so <laughs> the other one that I like right now, out of an abundance of caution, we will be releasing podcasts. <laughs>
0: yes, yeah, <that's> all right. <laughs> well, we'll check. And then we'll, we'll see who, uh, let, let's have a caution meter. Who's the most? Kianes Mas uh, Cachoso. Yeah, we'll see. We got some new English it's words in this well, See, um, Chris. Thanks a million, my friend. Keep uh, keep up the the good stuff. There, um, you're making a big difference as always. And thanks for sharing some ideas today. Thank you, brother. All right. Stay well, Chris. You too. So long.